Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandma'sCatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Friday, April 8th. Coming up, young Jews in Kansas City hoped their generation wouldn't have to worry about discrimination, but anti-Semitic incidents are only increasing. When you're Jewish, you're aware that there's always some small subset of the general population of the world that would like to see you harmed. How the Jewish community around Kansas City is coming to terms with historically high levels of hate. And for any town, finding out your drinking water contains dangerous chemicals is bad news. But for towns with only a few hundred residents, fixing the problem could just about bankrupt them. Our hands are tied financially because all of our resources are going to comply with all these regulations. It just, we feel like we're being strangled. We'll hear from some of the rural Kansas towns facing this dilemma. But first, some headlines. Several political scientists testified this week about how they think Republicans gerrymandered the new Kansas congressional map. Dylan Lyson of the Kansas News Service reports the judge presiding over a trial on whether to toss out the map has called the evidence overwhelming. The political scientists all argued that analysis shows the Kansas legislature's redrawing of the districts carves up racially diverse voters and Democratic strongholds. Attorneys defending the map argued that there is no standard in Kansas to prove what is and isn't gerrymandering. But Judge Bill Clapper said from the bench that the political scientists used different tests that all came to the same conclusion. He said the question is whether gerrymandering violates the state constitution. The trial is scheduled to continue next week and a ruling is expected about a week later. A federal jury convicted University of Kansas chemistry professor Fung Franklin Tao of four counts of wire fraud in a closely watched case involving his ties to a Chinese university. KCUR's Dan Margulies reports. The verdict followed a two-week-long trial that drew the attention of civil rights activists who claimed the case unfairly targeted Chinese Americans. The government accused Tao of concealing his ties to a university in China from the Department of Energy and other grant-making agencies, as well as from KU. The jury acquitted Tao of two other counts of wire fraud and two counts of making false statements. Peter Zeidenberg, one of Tao's attorneys, said he was disappointed in the verdict, but noted the judge said there were significant issues with the evidence in the case. Tao has asked the judge to overturn the jury's verdict. A bill passed by the Kansas legislature to ban transgender girls and women from competing in girls' and women's sports is likely headed for a veto. Jim McLean of the Kansas News Service spoke with Democratic Governor Laura Kelly yesterday. The bill, pushed by Republicans, would prohibit transgender girls and women from participating in interscholastic female sports. Governor Kelly vetoed a similar measure last year, and while she won't say definitively, it's clear she's leaning that way again. Do I know what I'm going to do? Uh, most likely. Um, you know, it, it's very reminiscent of what they've put before me before. Supporters of the bill say it's about fairness. Opponents say it's about placating conservative voters. The measure got more than enough votes to pass both the House and Senate, but not enough to signal that Kelly would be overridden if she vetoes it. Hey, thanks for listening to Kansas City Today. It's the only daily news podcast in our region, and it's only possible thanks to you. KCUR is a nonprofit news station, so we rely on individual donations to make this podcast. Not advertisers, we rely on you. 
If you haven't already, you can support our work with a donation of $5 or $10 a month at kcur.org support. Thank you so much. The Anti-Defamation League has been keeping track of anti-Semitic incidents in the U.S. since 1979. They've never been higher than last year. And in Kansas City, a new generation of Jews is coming to terms with that. KCUR's Luke Martin reports. Last month, the Hyman Brand Hebrew Academy, a day school in Overland Park, Kansas, got a new entry system. It requires visitors get buzzed in twice. It's just another level of security, and we're always sort of looking with one eye of like, what's the what's the newest weakness? That's head of school Adam Tylov. Eight years ago, just steps from here, the Jewish Community Center was attacked by a former KKK leader who shot and killed two people. Fraser Glenn Miller then drove a mile to the Village Shalom Jewish Retirement Community, where he killed a third person. Miller died in prison last year. 2014 was a watershed moment when we actually had a terrorist attack here. Ever since then, the campus has had armed guards. The campus also has robust surveillance, all coordinated by the Jewish Federation of Kansas City and their director of community security, a position created after the attack and currently filled by a former Secret Service agent. When you're Jewish, you're aware that there's always some small subset of the general population of the world they would like to see you harm. Jewish school students like Tylevs are insulated from a lot of anti-Semitism, but many more young Jews aren't. At Blue Valley High School, where junior Emma Sandler is co-president of the Jewish Student Union, anti-Semitism usually takes the form of off-color jokes. I have to pick my battles and I have to choose, you know, which things I want to act on. Because it's like when you act on something too much, people stop listening and stop caring. Last year, Sandler watched classmates draw swastikas and numbers on their arms in reference to victims of the Holocaust. When she told administrators, the entire grade level visited the Auschwitz exhibit at Union Station. Sandler says the incidents didn't stop. A survey two years ago from the Jewish Community Relations Bureau found 75% of Jewish middle and high school kids in the area saw anti-Semitism at school. Since 2014, every synagogue in the metro has an armed guard. Beyond what individual congregations budget, the Jewish Federation has spent millions of dollars on safety. I guess in a perfect world, we wouldn't have to have people with guns at all. But in terms of protection, a lot of the times it's the only way. Paris Naster is 24 and was at the Jewish Community Center during the 2014 attack. The experience renewed her pride in being Jewish and pushed her to become more observant. I really feel that it was a wake-up call. Now, Naster makes sure her dresses fall below the knee, her arms are covered to the elbow, and her necklines are high. The orthodox attire attracts more suspicious looks and more anti-Semitism. A survey last year found one in four American Jews avoided wearing or displaying things that might identify them as Jewish. At a raucous celebration in March, Overland Park dad Jeremy Singer stood by at the reading of the Megillah, a Purim tradition. It's not like I go around advertising that I'm Jewish one way or the other, but if you're Jewish, you understand that people do look at you in a certain way. 
Purim commemorates the salvation of Jews from extermination in ancient Persia. Hundreds of people from synagogues around the metro came to this year's event at Children's Mercy Park. Actually, I don't see a whole lot of uh, police presence here. There probably should be a little more because we have to protect ourselves. Singer thinks most anti-Semitism comes from ignorance, not malice. But he knows it's not going away anytime soon. This 2,000-year-old tradition is just one reminder of that. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Luke Martin. For towns with only a few hundred residents, keeping tap water clean and safe can pose a daunting expense. David Condos of the Kansas News Service reports that's likely to become more common in western Kansas, as chemicals from farms seep into dwindling water supplies. In most parts of the country, you can turn on just about any faucet and expect water that's clear, clean, and cheap. But as chemicals make their way into rural Kansas drinking water, a growing number of small towns face a different, expensive reality. These meters over here. Are... In the town of Haviland, former Mayor Robert Ellis walks through a maze of pipes toward a small meter on the wall. This is showing what our nitrates are right now, 8.4. And if that meter goes much higher, you'll know it. There's a horn that goes off in there to think you're at a basketball game. You know. Haviland's drinking water went over the federal limit for nitrates a decade ago, so it had to build this $2.5 million water treatment plant, paid for by a town of just 700 people. Today, that water's cleaner, safer, but Ellis says that when Haviland residents see the plant, they just think about how much it's costing them. They've been drinking out of the garden hose for all their lives. They don't worry about the nitrates. It's a beautiful plant. We ask them if they want to look at it and see it, and they don't. All they look at is their water bill. Those water bills have just about tripled. Ellis says the town originally tried to save hundreds of thousands of dollars by installing water filters in everyone's homes. But the state told him that wasn't good enough. If Haviland didn't build this plant, Ellis says it would have been fined thousands of dollars a day. So that's quite a battle, but as usual, the government won. City Council President Kay Unruh says that for a town this small, a multi-million dollar project is a big burden. And another example of the state or federal government not trusting rural Kansans to decide what's best. Our hands are tied financially because all of our resources are going to comply with all these regulations. It just, we feel like we're being strangled. Haviland isn't alone. $6.6 million for Lakin and Southwest Kansas, $4.7 million for Oberlin and Northwest Kansas, in Woodston, near Hayes, more than $1 million for a town of just 100 people. And more than 30 other small towns are over the legal limit right now for everything from arsenic to uranium to chemical byproducts of the treatment process itself. But the most common problem in Kansas is nitrates. Think farm fertilizer. An Iowa State University study shows that since the 1940s, the use of nitrogen fertilizer nationwide has increased 34-fold. We can't be surprised that we have increasing levels of nitrate in our water when we know that we're putting down increasing amounts of nitrogen on the land. David Swertney directs the Center for Health Effects of Environmental Contamination at the University of Iowa. And he says federal regulations that set tap water standards more than 20 years ago need updating. New research says drinking the chemicals for years could cause cancer and birth defects, even at concentrations below the legal limits. We know so much more about what chemicals are out there and what the chemicals we know about can do to us. Nitrate's a great example. But what about the people adding fertilizer to the ground? 
Kent Askren with the Kansas Farm Bureau says that with fertilizer prices at historic highs, farmers have a financial incentive to apply it efficiently. Sometimes the picture is painted that agriculture is, you know, just willy-nilly out there (laughs) throwing this stuff out. This is one of their most expensive inputs. They don't want to waste an ounce of it. But even if every farmer stopped fertilizing tomorrow, it could take decades for the nitrates already in Kansas groundwater to dissipate. And for towns that have not seen chemicals increase in their water yet, it's likely just a matter of time before they do. Three years ago, Oakley Utilities Director Rod Huffman received that dreaded letter from the state. One of the town's water wells had too much nitrate. We're at well six, which was over the MCL limit. So the northwest Kansas town of about 2,000 people plans to build a new filtration plant. It's already doubled the town's water rates to help cover the cost. And with fertilizer still a critical piece of the state's farming economy, Huffman expects more towns to face this type of dilemma. His advice? Bite the bullet. It's not going to be cheap, but it's cheaper than not doing nothing at all. You know, it's just not going to get any better. For the Kansas News Service, I'm David Condos in Oakley. The Kansas News Service reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. Find more at ksnewsservice.org. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast was produced by Trevor Grandin and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Luke's story on young Kansas City Jews and David's story on rural water supplies, visit kcur.org, where you can find a live stream of Kansas City's NPR station. On Monday, we'll feature a closer look at the Missouri legislature's work on the state budget. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week.